Good morning to our loyal WFYL listeners around the world. Welcome back to your Philadelphia Friday, only on Fox News Radio. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in once again, because you still have the right to hear and the right to be heard. We're here with you on 1180M and broadcasting real time at 1180WFYL.com. Coming to you straight from the birthplace of liberty here in the greater Philadelphia area. And we continue to fight day in and day out as your voice of freedom in the Delaware Valley. I'm attorney Mike Jeremita from Jeremita Law Offices, but everybody knows me as Mike G. And you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. And you can listen to our program every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. So let's be heard. Got Philly Chris with me again on the program. Chris, are you with us? Yeah. Hello, everyone. I feel kind of like that uh, scene in... I am legend with Will Smith. Remember when he was talking over the ham radio? He's, I've got food, I've got shelter, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right. I remember that. Yeah, it was a pretty good movie. All of us sitting here in isolation, uh, talking to the rest of the world. So we hope everybody's hanging in there. I want to talk a little bit at the outset of the show about what's going on with COVID 19, what we're seeing, what we may see in the near future, what our government's been doing. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody that, especially now, you can jump in on the action with us all week through the social media profiles of Mike G in the Morning. Our YouTube channel is called Mike G in the Morning, and you can see videos released every week from me and Philly Chris. Don't forget to like those videos and subscribe. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Mike G in the Morning. Our Twitter handle is at Radio Mike G. And we have a screen name on the Instagram website. As I understand, we've been releasing videos on that platform as well. And our screen name is Mike G in the Morning. Don't forget to listen to the other programs here on Fox News Radio WFYL. We've got the Scott Adams Show coming at you weekdays from 9 a.m. until noon. Second Amendment advocate Dana Lash comes on at 1 o'clock on weekdays right until Ben Shapiro. We've got the Ben Shapiro Show, weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. And finally, we've got Michael Savage bringing you the Savage Nation, weekdays at 6 p.m. So don't forget to tune in and show them some love. And with that, you know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. So Philly Chris... We've seen a lot of new cases of the COVID-19 here in the United States over the last week. Uh, what do you think the outlook is? I know you're a numbers guy, so you look at this in a way different than many other people may. That's your background. Uh, I've got the dashboard up right now. It looks like we've got uh, a little over 83,000 cases confirmed in the United States. 1,217 have passed away. 224 recovered, and it says 1,381 are serious. 
Now, this is on the coronavirus dashboard. The website is N, as in November, COV2019.live slash data. That's November, Charlie, Oscar. Um, what's V? How am I losing Victor. this? Victor. <laughs> there you go. 2019.live. <laughs> Man, I was a thing. And we what shall be the Victors. You? What would I do without you, Billy Chris? It's so, okay, uh, <laughs> So we've got the United States, that, those numbers, Italy, right behind it, 80, 000, little over 80,000 cases. Uh, but they've got 8,215 deceased so far, much higher percentage over there. 10,361 recovered, also a much higher number, 3,612 serious. Uh, Spain has got 57,786, 4,365 deceased. 7,015 recovered and 3,679 serious. Now, Pennsylvania, which we're going to be looking at for a lot of our listeners in the greater Philadelphia area, 1,687 confirmed cases, 16 deceased, um, zero recovered and zero considered serious. So I don't know what exactly they're looking at. Most in the country, New York, now we've got a lot of listeners over in New York. We'll we'll try to talk to Sean from New York later on in the program. Thirty-seven thousand seven hundred thirty-eight confirmed cases in New York. Three hundred eighty-five deceased um, and zero recovered. One thousand two hundred ninety serious total in the country. Uh, you know, we provided those numbers a little bit earlier. So a, a large portion of the total numbers are coming from New York as of right now, Chris. Uh, what do you right. think? Of this? What do you think of all these numbers and, and what we've got going on? Well, yeah, it's a great question, Mike. And as you know, uh, we've been talking about this for a little while. And we all talked about it a little bit on some of the past episodes. And um, back in January, when I personally started to notice uh, things going on over in China and then other parts of the world and kind of saw this coming, I started to delve into the, the metrics on it a little bit. As you mentioned, I have some experience working for a pretty large financial institution for many years doing dashboards and creating um, things like of this nature. So I have a, a, a decent enough understanding on how to look at this stuff. And one of the challenges I think we're facing right now is some of the numbers are still, you know, delayed a bit and behind because of the way the testing uh, was not available. And they're trying to get that through the supply chain. We had talked about the supply chain, which was causing some constraints. But as these numbers continue to come in and they test more people and we get more accurate numbers, they'll be more uh, statistically significant, meaning we'll have a better idea what the future may look like. Um, so it's a little early right now. I mean, there's certainly a, a sizable enough population to have a certain level of accuracy. But I think this is part of the reason that maybe the public didn't completely understand the severity of this being a true pandemic. And, and one of the things that concerns me the most when I look at the dashboard here on the website you mentioned is that recovered rate at the top is still only at 1%. So that shows the duration uh, will be um, potentially longer, you know, pretty long. I mean, we could be looking at a year, 18 months, similar to the Spanish flu that happened in the early uh, 1900s, 1918, I believe it started. So, you know, that's what we're looking at, but the numbers always do tell the story and the truth as they continue to come in and uh, be more accurate. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Well, I know we've got a small amount of, of people recovered so far, but we do have a general idea that uh, most people will recover from this, right? Even if yeah, and, a lot and of people get, most people will recover. 
Yeah, and that's a great point, Mike. I mean, really, that's the that's the bright side of this, if you will, even though this is a true pandemic we're in. And, you know, we have to remember that, you know, 98, 99% or more of all folks who come in contact with the virus will not have complications resulting in, you know, death. Um, so that's, you know, certainly something we all want to keep in mind. And I think later in the show, we are going to talk about some things to keep a positive mindset as we go through, uh, such a historic event. But, uh, but yeah, thanks for pointing that out, Mike. So it's, you know, and it's not the virus necessarily. That's been my biggest concern. Of course, it's horrific what potential devastation we have in that area, but, um, you know, it's a supply chain and medical supplies, and we're starting to see those failures. And that's something we want to keep an eye on because as, these metropolitan areas, you know, New York, parts of New Jersey, here in Philadelphia, as the medical system continues to get pushed up to that upper ceiling limit, then they're going to have to make decisions about, you know, who gets a ventilator, who doesn't, mm-hmm. um, unless, you know, that supply chain changes very quickly or some of these medicines they're talking about um, actually have a, a meaningful impact on, on making people healthier through this process. You know, I, I did uh, see a website called covidactnow.org and basically oh, yeah? they have prediction numbers for all different practices or, or things that you can potentially do in the wake of the coronavirus meaning what kind of action are we taking as a society or is the government taking versus you know how many people will get infected versus how many people will need hospitalization versus how many hospital beds will be available? It's re- really interesting. Right now, if you click on Pennsylvania, uh, they have us listed as an orange state, meaning our policy that we're enacting is only social distancing. So there's three different things, according to their website, that can be done that are directly related to uh, you know how many people are going to get infected. So option one is limited action. Uh, meaning right. public advocacy around social distancing, meaning, you, you know, you're telling them enhanced hygiene, but minimal mandated restrictions. Uh, the second option they have is orange social distancing, voluntary shelter in place for high risk groups, schools, mm-hmm. and bars, restaurants closed. And then the third option is shelter in place in green, which is a legal order or strong recommendation for citizens to employ shelter in place home quarantine. Right especially firm for high-risk groups, shutdown of non-essential businesses, ban on all group events. I don't know why they've got Pennsylvania listed as orange because, um, you know, with the governor's most recent order, uh, sounds more like we should be, should be green. Whether or not people like that or, or, or agree with it, different story, but I don't know why they've right. got Pennsylvania listed as orange in light of what's at least going on. And I think that these... yeah. Titles have changed. If I could have sworn that they were different last week and uh, they had different definitions over there because I thought red was no action, which I say, well, nobody's taking no action at all right now. So I why think that you're right. That? So now they've got a you limited know, I action. Think I think what's happening too, maybe, uh, Mike, is a little bit of what I mentioned a moment ago where the, as the additional data comes in, they might be, you know, modifying the uh, numbers put into the model and, and adjusting it a little bit because it's such a fluid situation right now. And because we are so early, the, you know, the, there's something called T tables when you're doing statistics to get to the 
overall probability and usually want to try to go up to 90, 95% at least, you know, uh, mm. with the, with the numbers. So they're making adjustments, but I, I have it up in front of me now. And what I do find troubling, as you mentioned, is we're just on the cusp of entering the, the, the point of intersection where that black line, you know, the expected beds, um, available is going to be below uh the overloaded amount in that in that red spike unless some you know immediate intervention takes place of course so well from what i'm looking at over here it looks like they've got they're expecting by april 27th i think the line is over april 28th 21,589 expected beds and that's where They'll have a problem because they expect more than that many hospitalizations. And at the peak, May 18th, they were expecting 110,632 hospitalizations right. in Pennsylvania. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately, Mike, you know, back during the, the Spanish flu and some of the things that I looked at when I started to do some modeling on this, you know, that's basically what happened. They had those those spikes. And as you can look at you know, on the internet and other places and see the pictures from back then where they converted places to temporary hospitals. And, um, as you know, I was in Philly a few days back getting medicine and I took a ride around and went over to the stadium and at Citizens Bank, they had tents set up and there were trucks there and they're setting up these uh, makeshift, uh, critical care facilities and testing sites. So I think, unfortunately, you know, that's what they're preparing for is to deal with the overloaded folks. Um, you know, there's still some time. Our country's amazing, and uh, we've we've gone through a lot in the past. So I have confidence that maybe some of these big manufacturing facilities are ramping up to start producing ventilators, or maybe there's some that you know we can get from the Defense Department. Although they generally hold those for uh, the military, is my understanding. So um, yeah, so we're up against the clock. Um, hopefully, they can make some changes. But otherwise. Um, to your question, Mike, that three months, the orange, you know, lower curve, um, it's not looking good right now based on the numbers that are coming in, but those numbers might level out because we've been doing more of the social distancing. But a concern right. I, I have. Mean, I, I don't know numbers, people. Yeah. I really don't know who people in Pennsylvania who are just going about their business as usual. Everybody I know has been pretty much locked in a cave for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are abiding to it. There's a couple of things I've noticed that concern me when I have been out, you know, when I really needed to get out. Um, I had to go to some stores and I did notice that many of the employees didn't have gloves and masks available to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not really staying away from people. I saw a postal worker today delivering mail that, um, you know, she didn't have any protective gear on. So let's say she had it. It could be on the mail goes in your mailbox and you come and get it and you bring it in your house and you may not think about it. Um, I put my recycling out today and it dawned on me after that, that the recycle truck workers are, they have got rubber gloves on the virus attaches to rubber for a longer period of time than most other surfaces. So here they are touching recycle bins that have people's saliva from all their bottles and drinks and soup Mm -hmm. and this and that and all the alcohol probably being consumed. Um, but anyway, and then I could walk out there and touch my recycle bin, walk it up the driveway, come in the house and forget about that being a potential hazard. So I think there's those little subtle details that sometimes, um, we, you know, in our behavior, we may not see as a, as a threat, but, you know, because we're in our comfort bubble. Um, and those are the things that I see 
And I would predict we'll probably see some sort of spike in between these two if we get a little bit of intervention. But I don't know if it'll be good as that orange uh, chart there until we get more numbers to validate it. Yeah, because that seems like uh, there's going to be an awful lot more people requiring hospitalization than we have room for if you go by that model. I do also remember it just came back to me that looking at this website a few days ago, there was another option that was Wuhan style lockdown. Did, did yes, you remember, I remember you, remember you that? mentioning that. Yeah, I remember that gone, being yeah. there, and it's gone. Yeah. So I'm getting kind of right. skeptical about this website, to be honest with you. Well, I, I don't know if there are some kind of political motivations behind this or anything. Uh, you know, <laughs> that wouldn't be like me to be skeptical, right? <laughs> well, but, you know, it's interesting you, you say that because now I'm looking up at the upper right hand corner, and it says this model is intended to help make fast decisions not predict the future. So I think they are putting somewhat of a disclaimer there and they know that the data, you know, isn't really statistically accurate yet. And also, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's variation in the way states are reporting information, countries are reporting information. And obviously, you know, from what I've heard, China, the numbers that uh, we see on those roll-ups in the bigger dashboards, they, they can't be accurate. You know? they, they can't be. They can't be. Because yeah, China, be. it says 81,000, um, 3,287 deceased. Uh, 74,000 right. recovered and 2,314 serious. I mean, is it at all possible, even if they were taking extreme measures like like burning people alive if they had the virus yeah. or rounding right. people up who had the virus and, and killing them and, you know, welding the doors shut in apartments, which we, they were doing that. There's videotapes yeah. of doing that. Right, Chris? That's right. Yeah, so, that's right. It was horrible. But even if they were taking those kinds of measures, would it be possible for them to keep that confirmed number down to 81,000 lower than we have already when they've got over a billion people and then 1.3 billion yeah. people in China? That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It's, it? It really is. I mean, the math doesn't make any sense unless they had a vaccine, you know, and maybe then and then that would ah. be a concern. You know, I, I mean, what if they do have a vaccine and they're offering it to to us right now in other countries. I've noticed some Chinese doctors go into other countries now to help, which is interesting. You know, I don't want to read too far into that because I don't have anything to support that, but that's the only way, like you just pointed out, Mike, with their population, that the number could be that that low. Even with the crazy stuff they were doing that we saw in a country where people don't have the freedoms that we have here in our wonderful constitutional republic. But um yeah, it just can't be accurate. And I did see something. I'm going to look into this and I'll try to report back on one of our future episodes. But somebody uh, looked at the numbers of cell phone users that have declined in China over the past several months. Uh, all citizens apparently in China are given a state phone and uh, it's millions that are no longer online. So that's somewhat concerning. Um, gone. But I don't I don't have anything to validate that. So I don't want to say that's a concrete data point. But I'm going to see if I can find a, a source and we'll look into that, because these are the things that help tell the true story. You know, where did those cell phones go and where are the people that had them? So I think that's an important question right now. That's a, that's very interesting. We'll have to learn more about that. You know, I, I will say this. I have a friend who taught English in China at some point and kept in touch with some of the people over there and they yeah. were saying that things are essentially getting back to normal people starting to go back to work uh is what they've told him so well, that's good 
Yeah, yeah, that's good to it hear. Like it from what we see, it is. Yeah, and although they did take extreme measures that you know, obviously we wouldn't do here, and I wouldn't yeah, want them to do this. that. You're talking about a vaccine. What about- I, I heard somebody say that you know would be a very simple explanation for knowing how to fix this would be if they created this, right? If they made it, maybe they sure. they knew how to uh, counteract it. If if they're the ones who made it, maybe they. Yeah, you exactly what to do here. Does that make sense? It does, you know, and, and one thing to mention about that, um, to talk about what this is, and I think this is an important point, I'll go through it real quick, but I, I read the scientific journals, and this is a novel coronavirus, and what that means is it's new, and it's a coronavirus, which means crown. If you look at the pictures of it on the news, you'll see that it has all these spikes. It's like a baseball. It literally punches holes through your lungs and enters your system that way and, and then creates a re- reaction, an inflammatory reaction with your white blood cells. Um, when it overreacts and you basically get the fluid in your lungs. But that's the difference here. A lot of people are like, oh, it's just a flu. I'll be fine. But it's something the human race has never experienced in their body. So we don't, we, we, don't the, we don't know. Right. We don't know. It's now the, the common cold is a coronavirus, but not this one. This one's a novel coronavirus and that it's new. It's a new one. This is just something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we don't have an immunity. We don't have the antibodies yet until we build that up across the globe, um, just like with the Spanish flu. So and another thing we should keep an eye on as we continue to look at this is many of the scientists reporting on it predict it may come in a, a couple of future waves. Um, so I think you said that, that something about that, Russ, earlier. You saw that too, Russ, didn't you? Yeah, I heard a couple of other talk show hosts on our station talking about how it's going to make a, a, a another wave in the, in the fall because that's kind of what right. viruses do. Mm. So we might see this Unfortunately, uh, making a comeback, right? Part two, the electric boogaloo. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, that's what's been shown in the past with some of these events. So maybe we can minimize it, or at least by then, you know, the medical equipment should be more available, which is, uh, I'm sure, why they're trying to work on that so quickly. Now, Chris, one thing I did want to also mention, I was looking at the data on the, going back to the dashboard, and... If you look at the amount of people recovered in the United States, it was very, very low, obviously, because this is all fairly new and takes me right. a little bit of time to recover and everything like that. But jumped up to 224 today. So what I did was start to take a look at where are these people from where they're recovering? Because in Pennsylvania, we've got zero recovered right now. So obviously not over there. So where are the states in which these people are recovering. I noticed that Minnesota is actually doing pretty incredible. And if you look at Minnesota's numbers with respect, I I believe they have the most people who have recovered. They had 346 confirmed cases, only two deceased. And I shouldn't say only two. God rest their souls. We feel bad for their families. 134 recovered and zero serious that's those are some pretty outstanding numbers, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you said Minnesota, right? I'm pulling it up now. Minnesota, so and then we've got we've got Minnesota. Maine with 155 confirmed cases, zero deceased in Maine, 16 mm-hmm. recovered, and zero serious cases. Go on down to 
North Dakota, 58 confirmed cases, zero deceased, 11 recovered, and zero serious. And then finally, South Dakota, 46 confirmed cases, one deceased, 16 recovered, zero serious. I thought that from looking at all the different states, those are some excellent examples. I wonder what exactly it is that they're doing that's allowing them to fare so well, because whatever it is, you know, we ought to try to take a page out of their book, perhaps. One thing I was thinking, maybe because it's so freezing in, in those places, <laughs> that they're just used to social distancing, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a good point. And actually, um, in some of those more rural areas, uh, social distancing would happen more naturally, I suppose. I have some uh, friends up in New England I've been talking to, as you know, from up there, and uh, many of them are working from home, and, and there's not as, you know, the, the population per capita is not as dense so naturally people are a little bit further apart so i think that some of that and then also some of these areas a little bit further behind the hot spots you know if we look at that map the metropolitan areas are the real dark red and then it kind of spreads out so i think these numbers will level off you know in reality from thinking the future what will happen in these big cities as we see the medical equipment become not available, then those numbers will uh, increase, you know, the death rate percentage overall against the number of people mm -hmm. who get the virus as opposed to the more rural areas. So I think we could see that difference because um, the cities are just not as prepared, um, but they'll probably all kind of level out. And then originally I predicted somewhere around maybe an overall 1% death rate for everyone who's infected, um, assuming you could get medical care. So those areas might be a little bit higher, but We'll have to look at the numbers as they continue to come in and get more accurate. But is it, so perhaps it is natural social distancing that's uh, doing the trick over there. But I, I think that's a hopeful way to a hopeful thing to look at. Right. We don't get a whole lot of positive news these days. And to see that there are a couple of states that are doing pretty well, um, I think. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it sounds like some of those areas are coping a little better, too, with the food supply and some of the other aspects of what's going on. Um, and some of those states had planned a little better, you know, comparing it again to Cuomo and his decision not to add to their ventilator inventory, obviously, is going to be an issue now. But some of these more rural areas, I, I think, um, actually had better supplies of the equipment. And then it's going to be slower in those areas because of the population density, as you just pointed out. So they it will be mm. more equipped possibly to handle it. But but the way it's spiking and the way people are still moving and, and some of the flaws I've seen with the safety gear not being used, I, I do still have concerns about how much they can really slow this thing down at this point without some sort of intervention. Hopefully some of these meds will work they're talking about. Yeah. It's, it seems to be yeah. tough to keep Americans in the house, right? You had these well, you, kids yeah, down on right, spring you know, break. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, beer out of each other's butts. It's ridiculous. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, let's do that in a year and a half from now, maybe. Uh, uh, celebration when we get through uh, that. Yeah. My goodness, my goodness, Russ, what have you been doing? How, how have you been handling this? Well, I've been spending most of my time working from <laughs> home, sorting out technical difficulties, and in my free time, I've been either playing Halo on my computer or sleeping. Mm -hmm. Oh, that works. That sounds like a, a good enough plan. But you've been staying away from people. Yeah, I was staying away from people before it was cool. <laughs> I was going to say, you spend 25 hours a day in the station typically, right? <laughs> Get yourself some got slippers, a bathrobe, and a cot, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. Why don't we hear from some other people? Let's uh, let's get, get Gary on the line. 
Yeah, let's hear from someone more interesting than me. (laughs) 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 For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. We've got Gary on the line with us. Gary, are you with us? I am with us, yes. I'm sorry, I have a a little bit of a sore throat um, about speaking so well. I hope you can hear me clearly. Yeah, Gary, uh, why are you going to sore throat? Are you feeling okay? Well, I feel fine. I'm pretty certain I don't have the COVID-19 thing going on because uh, I've been doing a lot of yelling and screaming a lot lately, actually. Um, Are you upset, Gary, about what's going on? Well... See, I, I I have a philosophy of how I can, like, defend myself if things were to go crazy in the city, you know. Uh, so every, like, 45 minutes, I just start screaming out my front window so that my neighbors think I'm crazy. It's great. I'm having so much fun. Are you, are you doing that to make sure you conserve your resources and people leave you alone and the social distancing? Is that where you're going with that? Yeah, well, nobody... People won't even drive past my my house at this point. They're, they're, they think I'm completely nuts, which is great. Um, some other things I've done uh, to keep myself occupied is a lot of like, you know, uh, introspecting and it's kind of like learning about myself and, and my community. So I've been keeping journals of people who are coming home with, you know, shopping bags full of food. So it sounds like you're planning for the future is what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm doing some future planning, and um, at nighttime, I, I walked over to the local uh, pharmacy store, and, you know, they have one of those metal uh, boxes where you could put clothes in and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And they, they give it to, like, people who need clothing. Yes. So I uh, I was feeling very charitable, but at the same time, I needed some clothes, so I stole like 30 pairs of pants and, and 30 shirts, and I, and I made a bunch of, um, you know, those Halloween scarecrows that people put up at Halloween? Sure. You know, they're like, they're stuffed with leaves and all. Well, I've, right. I made like 30, I made 30 of them and put them all over my lawn and brought out all my Halloween stuff, too. Like pandemic oh. scarecrows, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to have some fun, okay. you know, so people keep people out social distancing with me. And uh, and on top of that, you know, I have these uh, two dogs uh, here, and uh, they're great protection. Uh, and I've been observing them, and I realize that I'm the leader of the pack. So I've been <laughs> laying on the couch a lot. Um, so, so you're just trying <laughs> to act the way they should act, right? Yeah, I mean, I've asked my wife to rub my belly quite a few times, and she scratches me <laughs> behind the ears. And I guess that the, the good news is that you got uh, enough food to last you quite a long time, right? Yeah, well, I've also uh, set out some squirrel traps that I'm trying to catch squirrels and stuff, and I've been digging for worms in case I have to go fishing. You know, I don't know if I like your self-defense plan, Gary. I think you want to look into getting yourself a bag of bees. Do you know about the bag of bees? Well, I, I, I was just going to tell you that. Um, I wanted to tell you because I went online and I ordered a bag of bees. And uh, I got, I, I got. Uh, I think they said they're sending me their name certificates. Yes, that's, that's, oh, that's yeah, you, got the personalized also, bees. you get the personalized bees. 
Yeah, I got the personalized bees. And uh, also, I ordered a can of Cobras, too. Uh, a Cobra oh. can, excellent product. I think they were giving away a bee-proof vest. Uh, they were running some kind of promotion, so in case the, the bees try to sting the Cobras. Very nice. Now, yeah, if you don't have uh, one, we'll we, make sure we send one out to you. We uh, we don't have any of those, uh, those like, Ed95 masks that everybody's wearing. So uh, when my wife is sleeping, it's like she's been doing a lot of drinking. Right, but when she passed out, I went into her room and, and stole a couple of her spandex pants, cut them up, and made my own masks. I think that's a fantastic idea. Very resourceful. You know, I, mean, I saw a gentleman on television put it, who put a sneaker over his face. Did you see that? Oh, uh, no, I didn't but see that. But I may buy that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> it's an excellent idea. Well, Gary, it sounds like you've been getting by uh, thinking outside the box, and we, we commend you for for doing that. Oh, thank you so Very much. Resourceful. It's, been it's been a pleasure to be on your show. Um, and uh, I think that's about all. I mean, I've just been eating a lot. I watch <laughs> a lot of shows on the virus, and, uh, and I watch a, a lot of shows on... Um, uh, so I'm a big Second Amendment guy. So, you know, these times uh -huh. of crises, the government can try to change certain laws with regards to gun control, though. So you got to keep an eye on it even during these times of crises. You know what I mean? It's very important. Were you drinking before you called in today? Were you drinking before you called uh, in? Sounds like maybe a little bit. <laughs> no, no. I, I did have a little bit of the, the green stuff. I have a feeling he's normally like this, Chris. I have a feeling that's just who Gary is. And Gary, do me a favor. We appreciate you coming on the show. I think that you've earned it. You need to treat yourself to a nice bowl of mustard. Pour yourself a bowl of mustard. Uh, sit in front of the couch. Watch all the cartoons that you want and eat yourself a bowl yeah. of mustard. Okay? On the house. Can, can, I, can I put any, like, relish in it? Because I don't like eating mustard alone. But I could, yeah, I could yeah. fill it up with relish. Just a little bit. But remember, time is tough right now. You can't waste it all. It's supposed to be good for a sore throat, oh, too, Mustard. I'm sorry. I have to go. I just heard the squirrel trap close. So dinner's <laughs> going to be coming in a few minutes. All right. And enjoy yourself and enjoy the mustard dessert. Thank you. Good Thank luck you to so you. much. God bless America. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. Only on Fox News Radio. W-F-Y-L. We've got Sean from New York on the line with us once again, checking in with him. Sean, are you with us? I'm with you, Mike. Thank you. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, why don't you give us an update as to how things are going over there in New York City? Well, you know, Mike, uh, I really haven't been out much. Uh, just, you know, self-quarantining slash uh, sheltering in myself. Um We've uh, obviously the cases have multiplied, but other than that, um, things are pretty calm here from where I live. So what do you think about what's going on with the politicians over in New York? You know, you've got your governor, you've got your your mayor who are up in arms about the response to COVID-19. Obviously, uh, New York's got a whole lot of cases, most in the country right now, and they're scrambling around to try to figure out how they're going to handle this. Looking to the federal government, what do you think of the way they're handling this? Well, Mike, it's interesting that you say that. Um, de Blasio just said he's going to release several hundred inmates from Rikers Island. However, in other places, I don't know about New York, uh, they're going to do the same, plus also close gun stores because they're not considered essential businesses. But if you look at that, why would you close something which we have the right to do, yet 
let go people that have already been convicted of crimes already. So you're flooding us again with criminals and you're keeping us from protecting ourselves. And that's something that, I, uh, that I'm quite worried about, honestly, not just in New York, but this is in other states as well. You know, in Pennsylvania, uh, the governor came out and said that gun stores were not an essential business and they'd have to close down and then turn around and and made it so that gun stores can remain open. Some specific protocols as to making appointments and getting in there to avoid large crowds, because I'll tell you what, for a while, I was getting pictures of gun stores with the li- these lines out the door and around the block, more and more and more new gun owners. Now, in New York, it's interesting because... I don't know if it makes a difference whether a gun store is open or not, because it's not exactly easy. You can't just walk in and submit to your background check and purchase a firearm in New York, right? Well, unless if it's through the black market and criminals love to operate in the black market, and he sure is letting them out. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's right. what's going on, because you saw in Los Angeles, they also uh, decided that gun stores were, in fact, an essential business and were to remain open. Um, what may be going on, from my estimation, is that these mm-hmm. politicians are looking at this and saying, well, if we shut down these gun stores and mm-hmm. there is no way for these people to come into a store, submit to a background check, then perhaps they're going to go outside the bounds of the law and they're going to be uh, going through these uh, transfers that in some cases would be unlawful, but more importantly to them, untraceable. The government doesn't like when they can't keep their tabs on what we're doing. So even something in Pennsylvania, like a private transfer along between residents who are uh, you know, eligible, not prohibited from possessing firearms and of lawful age, then they wouldn't have any record that that transfer took place, even though it was perfectly lawful. It would seem that with them being who they are in the government, wanting to track every single one of our moves, that they prefer people to go into a gun store where they have to fill out the forms, submit to the background check, and then you've got that record of transfer. That may be what's going on. I'm not so quick to say, oh, finally, our government believes in our Constitution, and they're going to they're gonna follow the Constitution. I don't think that's what's going on here. Chris, you got any insight on that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting what's what's happening with a lot of that stuff. And uh, I know you and I, Mike, have heard here about them also releasing some uh, prisoners in the area. And also the police made a formal announcement uh, actually several days back about, you know, not making certain arrests or enforcing their um, arrest policies the same. So, yeah, it's kind of strange to see some of those changes taking place during a real pandemic. Yeah. Uh, Sean, what do you think of your government uh, officials turning to the federal government, though, in this kind of a situation? It's very bizarre, in my opinion, the way you've got these leaders such as de Blasio, who are, uh, on one hand, I don't want to say cursing Trump out, but essentially cursing him out, right? Uh, Talking about what a jerk he is and how incompetent he is, but in the very same breath, begging him for some kind of help, right? We really need you. Say, hey, jerk, why don't you come over here and help us right now? We really, really need your help, you big dummy. It's like, where do these people? <laughs> well, I don't understand how they expect to, to get any results from that. It's just bizarre. What do you think? It, of is, it's re- it is. It's really hard to uh, believe them because politicians, they're just known to grandstand during times of uh, crisis, and they're known to just want more power. Uh, Roosevelt did it during the Great Depression. He just propagated and uh, 
and further multiplied prop, uh, poverty through the depression. He just got his three or four terms through that. So I wouldn't be this, uh, surprised if it's, if, it's that, if it's that way with de Blasio or Cuomo. But um, hey, look, we need leadership. Um, they are, you know, they are acting in certain ways. Um, and look, I mean, it's 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 hard to. Uh, this is something that's hard to deal with now. And um, leadership is leadership. You know, in any given situation, the best decision that you can make is the best decision. The next best decision you can make is the bad decision. And the worst decision that you can make is no decision. But decisions are decisions now. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping right. the best. And the uh, activity between the federal government and local government is like a yin and yang. Uh, the federal government is supposed to protect our rights, uh, enforce customs, uh, uh, keep us from a plague. And local governments, that, that's, uh, that, that, those are smaller things delegated to them. So uh, well, it's, it's interesting how it'll work, man. It's, it's, uh, we're in tough times, yeah. unprecedented times, as you said. But co- things like coming up with ventilators and things like that, mm-hmm. is, is that the job of the federal government? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean – uh, possibly. I, I mean, you would say... what, do you, what do you got, Chris? Yeah. Um, you know, there was something yesterday on the news uh, about Cuomo and some of the disaster recovery meetings that he had attended with his local government a while ago. And uh, they were talking about uh, those meetings and he decided rather than spending a certain dollar amount on additional equipment, they decided to create a disaster recovery plan that even included, you know, red tagging people and things of that nature. So I think they either didn't see this coming or didn't want to allocate the dollars uh, to a true pandemic at this time from what uh, was reported, but um, very, very much an unfortunate situation that we're in now as a result of some of those decisions. It seems like. Well, they're not going to be very quick to stand up and take blame for that though, are they? It doesn't seem that way, and I think that'll probably come out later, and at some point he may be held accountable for those decisions because right now, as we all know, the ventilators are just not available and the quantities needed based on the metrics. So uh, it sounds like they're ramping up some of these automotive companies. We've all heard about that in the news, Tesla and some of the other big companies. So if they can re-dye their factories and get things up and running quickly, that would help, but the timeline is, is just so challenging. Now, Sean, I want to know, what is your message to other New Yorkers out there? Um, my thing is uh, stay quarantined, stay safe, um, order your groceries, keep a distance. Uh, you conserve and leverage out your resources. So, for instance, I have small cans or bigger cans of uh, steel cut oatmeal. Um, that could last me, each can can last me about one month, maybe. Uh, I'm sorry, about two to three weeks. Um, I save chicken uh, bones. I ch- uh, save uh, vegetable scraps and make soups and broths out of it. That's good for a week each. So I just do things like that and, uh, you know, hope for the best, hope and pray for the best. Well, getting really resourceful with your, your cooking there, huh? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I should start a YouTube channel. I would watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> COVID-19 cooking by Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, it does seem like there's a silver lining with some of this. I've talked to a lot of friends and family who are coming together and, you know, really enjoying each other's company and taking up cooking again, like you mentioned, and also thinking about things in a way that we probably should have been all along. You know, why are we so wasteful sometimes in our society and on this planet? So maybe it's a, you know, the silver lining or some of the lessons we'll learn in the coming weeks as we come together. 
Sure. Absolutely. It just goes to show you how precious yeah. life really is. And and when you say that, um, usually national or international emergencies usually lead to uh, um, discoveries during in, in science during our lifetime. I mean, food has changed more since World War II, which is 75 years in the last 12,000 years before that, which is when we learned how to actually cook meat or something or plant seeds. It's insane. Oh. Right, right. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm expecting yeah. you to set up this YouTube channel, though, Sean. All right, so I want you to report back to me. <laughs> report back to me during the week, and uh, by next we week, go. we'll have you back on the program to tell everybody about your new YouTube channel. Okay? You got it, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me, as always. Stay safe and God bless. You God bless. God Thank bless. You. Great talking to you again. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with the Law Matters only on Fox News Radio. W-F-Y-L. We've got a special guest on the line with us, Jazzy Ralph. Ralph, are you with us? I am, Mike. How are you doing tonight? Oh, you know, we're just about the same as everybody else. Ralph, as a musician, this has got to be seriously impacting your business, isn't it? It just got a cancellation today. So what have you been doing? How have you been holding up over there? Um, I've been driving myself crazy watching the news 24 hours a day. Well, you ought to start listening to the radio instead. It's much more enjoyable. I know. I'm going to start listening to your show a lot more, actually. I catch up on different series that you have. You have. Thank you for having your show, by the way. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure. So, uh, as a musician, are you able to work creatively being trapped in the home like that? Well, uh, yeah. Actually, I'm broadcasting myself live uh, and uh, made a couple of tips, actually, believe it or not. Get out of here. Yeah, some people threw me some money, uh, you know, uh, towards my PayPal there. So if you get right. to have a, a big enough following doing that, this could be a whole new source of revenue for you, can you? I, I think I think we might be in a new normal. I hope, I hope it doesn't happen, but yeah, thinking towards that point. So how far out have they started making cancellations for your shows? Um, well, I, I actually had a couple of concert tickets at the American Music Theater. They started canceling them about three weeks ago, you know, and that's when it all happened about three weeks ago. But how far out in advance, meaning so you had a show that was just canceled, was it scheduled for, you know, a couple of weeks from now, a couple of months from now? How far out? Yeah, um, I had, I have a, a show that just canceled like three weeks, um, three weeks uh, into it, so... Two weeks so, out, I've, I, they just canceled. So basically, everything through the end of April is a no go, and it, we're starting to look at you know whether May is going to happen. Absolutely, it's very tough, actually. Yeah. And where do you most frequently perform? Is it only in Pennsylvania? Oh uh, no, it's it's New York as well, and uh, they're they're hit very hard over there. It's very sad. So very sad. So when when you have these cancellations coming through, how often do you play? Well, I only I only get to practice and play at my house, and making zero money. No, but I'm saying that that typically uh, outside of this oh, type. Oh, how often am I? You know, I'm playing at least twice a week somewhere. Wow! Oh, so this is a big difference having to stay inside for you. 
Well, I mean, as a musician, I've been I've been sort of locked in, locked away anyway, all of these years, and in, in one way or another. So it's not affecting me as much as it could be affecting somebody else that has a nine to five, you know. But right, right. You know what I'm saying? But but it's good to hear that you're being resourceful and you got out there. If people want to watch you go live. How can they find you? Just uh, just Ralph uh, on Facebook, you know. I'm on posting all the time there at uh, jazzrails.com. Thank you. And do you have any? Do you have anything scheduled where you're going to be on there? So if the listeners want to check you out, they can. Um, it's I I'm, I haven't come up with something yet as a set time. I I'm looking into uh, different possibilities, especially if this this becomes some like some sort of a new normal. I mean, I mean we're all going to have to figure out something, you know. So here's what they should follow your page and then you'll announce on the page when you're going to do it. So, hey, you know, come back later tonight. I'll be doing this live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, send send a, send a request in, you know, and then we'd send some notifications or something like that. Okay. We're all going live. Great. Well, we're glad to hear that you're you're holding up and that you're you're finding new ways to get things accomplished, Ralph. Uh, we appreciate it and we hope to have you back on the program again soon. I will. And for everybody out there, including yourself, uh, take it easy and make the best of, uh, of it. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. You know, Chris, in these times being tough, it's difficult to come by good news. It seems like everything that we see is negative. Um, not a very positive outlook. People are stuck in their homes. And I think this can be very dangerous to people at an individual level. It could be a time where people run into problems with alcoholism, whether they have in the past or not, or people run into to drug problems. I think that we're going to see in the upcoming weeks and months that, that people who have even kicked addictions perhaps fell off the wagon during this point in time. Do you see that happening, Chris? Yeah, well, I think we had somebody call in who might have been having some challenges. But maybe that's a, a, good, a good public service announcement to keep an eye on that. I mean, it's definitely more stressful than normal and people are adjusting. I think some people were in denial a little bit. And, you know, I certainly didn't want to believe that this was going to come here. But, yeah, I think you make a good point, Mike. I think we need to all take a look in the mirror and figure out, you know, what the best approach is and come together as as one as we go through this. Uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a good point because I was thinking of, you know, being locked up in the house and being bored and maybe turning to drugs and alcohol or even being uh, sad, drugs and alcohol. But sure. But you brought up it. I, I think that I don't know if you said directly, but what I got from from your comment is that people can be pretty anxious about what's going on and, you know, concerned sure. and nervous. And that's why they turn to drugs and alcohol. So I think that what you and I should really be doing is encouraging everybody to take some kind of positive steps in your life and, and make some new habits during this point in time. Maybe this could be the opportunity for us all to make ourselves better. And I know that you recently started to delve into the Bible a whole lot. You had a couple of verses you wanted to share with everybody. Do you happen to have those handy? Uh, yeah, actually I was taking a, look at the Bible and, and did come up with a couple of things. Yeah, sure. I have it right here. Would you like me to go ahead and, and read it? Absolutely. Maybe we'll make this a regular thing on the program, but go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I just, you know, I uh, 
was visiting a friend and he happened to read something to me in the Bible. And I noticed it was the exact same Bible that I had as a child, you know, the gold Bible from Catholic school back in the day. And I just decided to pick it up and open it up and see what, uh, you know, was presented uh, in front of me. And, and here's something that I read from uh, Ezekiel. Uh, this is what the sovereign Lord is saying. You clapped your hands and jumped for joy. You despised the land of Israel. Because you did, I will hand you over to other nations who will rob you and plunder you. I will destroy you so completely that you will not be a nation anymore or have a country of your own. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Wow, that's some powerful stuff. You just opened it up and that's what you saw, huh? Yeah, he, he had told me a story that, uh, you know, similar, something similar happened to him. And I just decided to pick it up and open it up. And that was what I read. So it had a, you know, quite the moment there as I read that and it seemed pretty timely. Um, so I've been continuing to just kind of do that. And, and uh, so things have been sort of jumping out to me, if you will, which is interesting because um with there's a lot going on there's a lot going on yeah, right now. Go, go ahead hit so, us hit us with another one hit us with another one yeah something else that uh popped out to me uh, let me bring it back up here on my phone um is the armor of god finally be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I am, will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I love that. You know, we got we got to definitely do something where maybe we put that to set that to music and get that out there on some oh, kind of yeah. recording. I, I love that I verse. That's a great idea. And, and, you know, when David Barton came in from uh, Wall Builders and did his in-person conference with us at Fox News Radio WFYL, he mentioned that there's no word for coincidence in I believe it was Hebrew because he's talking about how the Bible was written and everything like that and uh, it, oh, yeah. this is too, this could not possibly be a coincidence the fact that you opened up and turned to this in, in these times especially when we see uh, the type of uh, corruption that's being overthrown meaning the indictments being unsealed over for the Maduro and over in Venezuela and everything like that so right. interesting to keep right. an eye on. That verse, for those of us who don't know, is Ephesians 6.10, and you read on beyond that, but uh, that was definitely a popular one 
growing up in the church and it's so timely for right now. So we encourage people to, why not take some time? You know, you don't have a commute right now in all likelihood. If, if you are somebody who's locked in, then go ahead and take some time and you know, read the Bible for a couple of minutes and maybe uh, add a workout in there, right? Why not add a workout in there, read yeah. the Bible, try to form some new, po- new positive habits. And perhaps at the end of this, um, not to say you'll be glad that it all happened, but you'll come out better for it. Well, why allow this to get the best of you? You know, my uh, my father-in-law uh, spent time in Vietnam. So the only way that he was able to come out and make a success of himself, meaning, uh, you know, go back to school and uh, end up becoming a professional and having his own business, is that he told himself right. in Vietnam every single day, I will not let this ruin me for the rest of my life. Every single day in his head. So I think that's what we, we really need to do. We need to uh, say, we're not going to let this ruin us. And we need to, right. uh, to make some changes. And, and getting in the Bible, that's certainly a good thing. Uh, well, we really appreciate that, Chris. And we thank everybody for, for joining us this morning. That's all the time we've got for today. Uh, stick around for We the People, The Constitution Matters. Pastor David Whitney, Professor Phil Duffy, I'll be joining as the legal analyst. Stay safe and take care, folks. God bless.